So, we are busy with Epiphany. Uh, Nick said he spoke to you about it last week, a little bit about Epiphany. So, who wants to fill me in as if I'm stupid? What is Epiphany? Why do we have it? This is, we won't get marks for this, this is just... It's um, trying to hear the same stories again from a new perspective. And which stories specifically? Parables. Yes. Anyone else? Christian, if you want to laugh, then you have to share. Well, if you draw out your, your confirmations, it's difficult to not laugh. That's true. <clears throat> um, so, Epiphany is. It's interesting, we have Christmas, like the rest of the world. We are obsessed with Christmas. Um, some of us uh, have our anthem, but all of us do Christmas big. What's interesting is that in the original church calendar, Christmas was not a thing. You had Epiphany, and then after Epiphany comes Lent, and then after Lent you have Holy Week, and after Holy Week comes the build-up to Pentecost, and then you've got kingdom time. So the first, actually normally the 6th of January, but they changed it to the first Sunday in January, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that is what Epiphany is about. Because an Epiphany, think about it in English, when you, when somebody says, Schultz, I found it, or Eureka, and they run down, naked down the street, what has happened? They have an idea has come to them. They have received understanding. And that's exactly what happens, except that it's God who comes to us. So Epiphany is about Jesus being born and God revealing himself to us in flesh. He looked like us. He probably struggled with this while he was a teenager. He also had emotions and hormones and all of those things. But he was also God. And it was only later when the celebration of the coming of the King of Light God of light, in pagan cultures became a very big thing, that Christians said, but there is no other light than Christ. So if they want to celebrate the coming of the God of light, then duh, it's Jesus. And there, Christmas was born. Which is sad, because Christmas also isn't about that really anymore. If you look at most of the things that people do surrounding Christmas, it's not about Jesus. Okay, that's my little intro. So, in Epiphany, normally we look at Jesus' life. Important things that happened to him while he was here. Things like him being, being baptized. Things like him being presented in the temple. And his... Um, what is it called? When he goes onto the mountain and he is... Um, well, he, um, Peter, and John and Jacob go onto the mountain, and he becomes glorified, and Peter sees Elijah and Moses with him. Those things is, I think it's a glorification. Sorry, Ray, I know you know this. <laughs> Bear with me. Those things are the things that we celebrate in this time. And this week was his presentation of the temple, and that's what, why we're going to read the text that we're going to read. 
it's all about Jesus' life. It's all about what impact that life can have, the elements of his life. Why were sons especially, but yes, sons mostly, remember the culture, it's not me being a feminist. The me being a feminist part is that I cringe slightly as I say this, but what you did to boys was automatically assumed to have been done to girls because they, are, they, are, they aren't seen on their own. Women and girls as an entity, they're always part of the father or the husband or the... So, it was decreed by law, by God, that boys had to be dedicated to him. And this was a process of dedication and this is where we join the story of Jesus. We're going to read from Luke 2. I've got it on the screen for you because I'm going to read from the Good News Bible. The Bibles that are um, around you are NIVs, New International Versions, so it's one of those cases where you might just feel a little lost. Was that an eye test? <clears throat> right. The time came for Joseph and Mary to perform the ceremony of purification, as the law of Moses commanded. So they took the child to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be dedicated to the Lord. That is the Exodus 13 is where it's from. They also went to offer a sacrifice of a pair of doves or two young pigeons, as required by the law of the Lord. At that time, there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem. He was a good, God-fearing man and was waiting for Israel to be saved. The Holy Spirit was with him and had assured him that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's promised Messiah. Led by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus into the temple to do for him what the law required, Simeon took the child in his arms and gave thanks to God. Now, Lord, you have kept your promise, and you may let your servant go in peace. With my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light to reveal your will to the Gentiles and bring glory to your people Israel. The text in Isaiah is actually the text that um, the prophecies that he is referring to. The child's father and mother were amazed at the things Simeon said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is chosen by God for the destruction and the salvation of many in Israel. He will be a sign from God which many people will speak against and so reveal their secret thoughts. And sorrow, like a sharp sword, will break your own heart, which of course we know now like, refers to when he dies. And she witnesses that, but she doesn't know that yet. There was a very old prophetess, actually, a widow named Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She had been married for only seven years and had been a widow 84 years. She never left the temple. Day and night she worshipped God, fasting and praying. That very same hour, she arrived and gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting for God to set Jerusalem free. Mary and Joseph do what is expected of them. 
they bring Jesus to the temple to be prayed over, dedicated to God. And two people's wishes come true. Two people to whom God had made promises. Their promises are made fulfilled. In the first place we have Simeon, who we hear was a guy who was very committed to God. He spent his life committed to God in prayer, in devotion, and God had promised him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. So he was very old, therefore, as you see on the picture, a very old man. He sees Jesus and gives one of the most beautiful praise songs, short song, that he says, okay, now I can die because I have seen what you promised. What interests me and what I think is important for us to realize is at this stage, Jesus is a month or two old. And for those of you who have seen month or two old babies, they don't do much except sleep, cry, poop, repeat. I mean, they are, Nicholas, you are the one with the youngest baby, if you are mine. They do start developing personality and all of that, but looking at a baby and seeing the salvation of the world is, to me, a massive leap, an amazing thing. To be able to see this baby and say, okay, your will is done, the world is going to be saved, I can die in peace. Also with Anna, who spent all of her days in the temple, and who also, on exactly that day, came and saw and started telling everybody, because remember, Israel was not in a good place. They did not, let's just say, saying that they did not like the Romans is an understatement. They wanted to be free, and they were hoping that the Messiah would come and set them free. And she starts telling them, but the Messiah is here. And it's a few months old baby. What makes it even more interesting is when we read that when Simeon takes the baby and says these things, what do we hear about Mary and Joseph? They were surprised. They were amazed. They were in wonderment. They, it was kind of the, okay, this is strange. I don't know whether this, that disbelief. All of us know that feeling. Why is this so interesting? Because remember, in Luke, this is after Elizabeth, well, Zachariah and Elizabeth are promised a son, John the Baptist. She does become pregnant even though she's very old. We don't know how old that is. Probably 36 if you listen to 20 year olds. So she was very old, but she still got pregnant. It was a miracle birth. When she was pregnant, Mary heard the message from an angel that she was going to have the Savior of the world. She goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth John jumps around like only a baby in your belly can jump around. He kicks her ribs. She has this praise song. Mary reacts to the praise song. When Jesus is born, angels appear. Shepherds go to them. The three magi come. The three wise men from far away bring presents. A lot of miraculous things 
have been happening in their lives. And yet, they find that they still find, after all of this miraculous, miraculous things, they still find it surprising to hear this is, this is the Messiah. So I started wondering what the difference could be. Because in the end, what did, what did Simeon and Anna see that Joseph and Mary could not see? They, they could see the end result. They could see how this was going to go. They didn't need to see the physical happening for them to know this is it. How? Why? And that took me back to their lives. What do we hear about their lives? Their lives were spent in dedication to God. What they did every day was in what they did try to become more connected to God. And in their connection and strengthening their connection, it became possible to, when Jesus appeared, know that this is it. Where Mary and Joseph, okay, we have to give them a little slack. They are first-time parents. And as Nick can tell you, it's not easy. Sleep is a luxury at first. Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, we have to be given that. But still, they had all of these wonderful things happening, and they were still in doubt. where Simeon and Anna had lived lives where God had promised them things, but it had been a long time. They had been waiting for quite a while. We hear that in the text. And yet the moment it happens, they see it. Which made me think about our lives. Because in the end, it's great to read the Bible and listen to interesting stories. But what does it mean? Especially with us still celebrating Epiphany, it means that we think God still comes to us. Otherwise, we could have stopped. So in this text, in this happening in Jesus' life, what's God coming to us to say? I'm sure that all of us have experienced, maybe you are not in that phase now, but all of us have things that we feel that God has promised us, that we would want to have happen, and we struggle with seeing it when it does. We also struggle with seeing the signs, because often a promise fulfilled takes a very long time. Uh, a little personal story, I've got a very favorite song of mine, of, from Luke Sital Singh, who has a song that the chorus is, um, we know it's difficult, you have to believe us, it's nearly morning, any second now. And we, Sal and I were unpacking stuff in my office, and then we drove home, and it played on the radio, on the Wi-Fi, and, on Bluetooth, sorry. And I started crying because the last time I heard it in the car was two years ago when things at the university were going, they were going nowhere, but they weren't going anywhere 
specifically. And I remember listening to that and thinking, there is never ever, I can't see how this is going to happen. So I was bawling my eyes out like I wasn't driving that day. But then two years later, to be in the car on our way home from unpacking things in my office at a job that I never thought I would get. And to hear that again, it's nearly morning, any second now. Two years does not feel like any second now. Any second now is blink, open, great. But that is how God's promises work, because that's how life works. And maybe if we dedicate our lives to, our, to pursuing our relationship with God as much as Simeon and Anna did, making that our first priority, it will be easier to see, to see the baby, Jesus, and know the Messiah. And that's it. I hope that as we journey through Epiphany Ends next week and this year, I don't know if it's ironically, Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, so the laugh says it's ironically. Um, as we journey through the liturgical year, may it be one of the things as we journey together, as a small group of people who love God and who are getting to know each other and learning to love each other, may this help us all to focus and prioritize our relationship with God so that we do not miss the small signals that give us hope. I want to pray for us. Lord God, when we are in difficult places, it is so easy to forget who you are and what you have done. That we look and sound like Mary and Joseph, who even though they've experienced so many wonders, are still surprised We do not want to be those people. We want to be followers of you who see the signs, who see the small pointers along the way and know that you are faithful, you are true, who can look back on our lives and see that so many things have happened, so many promises have been realized. So that even when it is our darkest moment and we hear it's nearly morning, any second now, that Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, you will remind us that it is true. The only way that that can happen is if we create space in our day, 
in our minds for the Holy Spirit to speak. Sometimes I wish God that you would shout because otherwise it's so easy to forget you. You are so gentlemanly. And therefore I pray for all of us for this week, for every week to come, that we make space in every day, whether it's a chunk in the morning or in the evening, whether it's five minutes here and there, to focus on you, to remember you, to grow our relationship with you. So that like Simeon, we can see the promise being fulfilled when the baby is still young. Thank you for Epiphany. Thank you that you did not only come once, but that you keep on coming, that you want to keep on coming into every one of us's lives. We open up ourselves anew, and we want to do so again tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that. We praise your name, Jesus Christ, the one who came to show us that this life, this flesh, can be wonderful. It doesn't need to hold us back. Amen. Thanks guys, there's more, there's more coffee, I think. So please drink coffee and um, socialize. Remember we said hashtag love others. Okay, so we can start playing atmospheric music. Really <laughs> it's easier to socialize with atmospheric music. <laughs> <laughs>